Okay, good afternoon. Might kick off. If people trickle in, they trickle in. Uh, my name's Jonathan. I hope you're here for the Prophecy and Tongues workshop. If you're here for the Bible reading workshop, that's the other Ives. That's my wife next door. So you've got a couple of seconds to run out. All right, great. Cheeky plug. Great. So uh, we're here for Prophecy and Tongues. Um, actually, what I want to do... Uh, this afternoon. I know it's the, the last kind of seminar slot of the week, so you're all kind of probably tired and falling asleep on me, so try your best not to. Um, but I want to talk about three things today. Uh, first thing, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Wow, that's loud. Really quickly about the gifts of the Spirit kind of in general. Uh, and then I want to talk about two specific gifts, which is obviously tongues uh, and prophecy. And we'll do a little workshop as we go through those different things. So I've titled uh, this afternoon's workshop, Ministering in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I've called it ministering the gifts of the Holy Spirit because that's actually what the gifts of the Spirit are for. For ministering God's love uh, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it's for, ministering God's love to other people. Uh, How about we pray and then we'll kick off into some stuff. Yeah, Father God, you're so welcome here, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for what you've done uh, in us and through us this week. How you've been changing us to make us more like your Son. And God, I pray that you would uh, anoint my words as, as I speak this afternoon. God, would you fill this place with your Holy Spirit, uh, that people might encounter you and get to know you better. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, before we kick off into anything, just really quickly, my name's Jonathan. Uh, I'm 29. I turned 30 in June, which is kind of scary. Into my 30s after that. I've been married for a, a couple of years. Uh, and what I do during the week, um, I'm a part-time writer. So I'm kind of putting a book together at the moment uh, for a business. And then I do uh, two days a week teaching photography as well, which is good fun. So I actually kind of hop around the country and get to train people how to take photos. I'm off to Queensland next week, which is going to be fun. Um, But what I actually really love to do is teach people about uh, who the Holy Spirit is and how He works in our lives. And that's what this week's been about, living a Spirit-led life. So I want to kind of take some of that stuff a little bit, even what Ali spoke about yesterday afternoon. Uh, in, her, in her main meeting, a little bit about tongues and unpack some of that stuff for you. Uh, and the way I've structured this afternoon's seminar or workshop is a whole bunch of FAQs. So when I chat to people about the gifts of the Spirit, often a lot of the same questions kind of come up. So what I wanted to do is sort of structure my workshop a little bit around those uh, and kind of unpack some of those for you. So the first FAQ is uh, where are the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible? And what we're going to be doing today is looking pr- predominantly at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, And Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, uh, unpacks a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit. But in between those two chapters, there's actually a very important chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 13. And if you've ever been to any wedding, you've probably heard excerpts of 1 Corinthians 13 read to you, because that chapter is all about love. Is anybody here in love? Yeah, a couple of you. And the reason Paul puts that passage about love between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is because he's making a pretty clear point that everything we do in the Christian life should be surrounded by and cemented in love. Love for God and love for other people, including the gifts of the Spirit. I was a bit of a science geek uh, when I went through school, and I used to love playing with Bunsen burners. Anyone like Bunsen burners here? Yeah? Turn the gas taps on. Don't like the gas taps. That's a bit dangerous. But uh, I remember in year nine, we, uh, we did an experiment where we put things into a crucible. 
Does anyone know what a crucible is? It's kind of a, a little white jar that's get really, really hot. And what you're supposed to do is crank the Bunsen burner on that and you chuck some stuff inside that crucible and under the intense heat, it actually refines what's inside that crucible. And love for us as, as Christians should be like a crucible. Everything we do should pass through the crucible of love, including the gifts of the Spirit. So they're the goggles that we're wearing, if you like. We're wearing the goggles of love. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. And I'll read it for you as well. We'll start with verse 4. Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then Paul goes on to list a whole bunch of gifts. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the gift, uh, sorry, of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are for the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And this is a pretty key passage about the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible. Obviously, Paul lists a whole bunch of them there. His point, though, is not to list an exhaustive list of all the gifts that are out there. There are different parts of the Bible that mention some other gifts aside from these ones. Um, His point is also not to uh, give you definitions of each of these different gifts. A lot of the time we look at a gift and go, oh, that's definitely the gift of prophecy. Oh, that's definitely the gift of knowledge. Or that's definitely the gift of wisdom. But that's actually not Paul's purpose of writing this section. So the way we should think about the gifts of the Spirit a little bit is like if you're looking at a rainbow. When you look at a rainbow, you see a whole bunch of different colours, and you can definitely see that sometimes it's green, then you can see that it's yellow, and you can see that it's orange. But seeing where those different colours actually change is kind of blended together, right? So you see sort of one forming into another one. And that's actually often how the gifts of the Spirit function. It's very difficult at times to say, oh, that was definitely a gift of prophecy. Because sometimes it sounds a little bit like a gift of knowledge at the same time. So Paul's purpose is not to necessarily give you definitions of these, but basically to say that the Holy Spirit is the source of the gifts of the Spirit. That's his his kind of crunch. So next FAQ. How do they work? Well, if you jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, he says, What shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these things are done for building up. So his first point is, they're done when you come together. They're done in community. The gifts of the Spirit always function, like many of the things in the Christian life, in community. So if you think about it, it's kind of like attending a family barbecue. If you attend a family barbecue, you know, a big extended family thing, often it's a share plate scenario, right? It's not like one person provides everything. Often it's, hey, can someone bring a plate of meat? Can someone bring the Coke? Can someone bring the chips? Can someone bring the guacamole? If I have the barbecue, I definitely make sure that I get someone to bring some guacamole because it's awesome. But the idea is that not everyone brings guacamole. Because if you all brought guacamole, no one would have any corn chips to eat the guacamole with, right? So the idea of the gifts of the Spirit is that we all come open and expectant for God to use us in a different way, to bless the whole body of Christ, like a big family barbecue. And there's a great little term I just want to mention really briefly that came up um, 
through uh, the Vineyard Church, which uh, was a denomination that was kind of came out of the States. Um, and a guy called John Wimber came up with this term called everyone gets to play. And that was kind of a way of saying that when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, no one is crossed out. Everyone has something that they're supposed to come and bring to the family barbecue, if you like. We're all suppo- everyone's supposed to come and expecting that God will use them to contribute something. Next FAQ, why do they exist? Well, really simply, kind of like a family barbecue, for encouraging each other. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are about. Paul says, all these things are done so that the church may be built up. Gifts of the Spirit are always about encouraging each other. Next FAQ, am I allowed to ask for a gift of the Spirit? This is where it gets potentially a little bit controversial. A lot of people say, oh, you know, you're only supposed to seek the giver, not his gifts. Actually, that's a a wrong interpretation, really, of what it means to walk the Christian life. Because we're supposed to seek the giver and his gifts. Because the gifts exist so that we can encourage and build up the church. So we're supposed to seek the giver and his gifts. And you find that, actually, in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, and in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Paul says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. He then goes on to say, I say it again, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Uh, the word actually that he uses, I'm getting a bit technical now, but it's uh, zelion is the word he uses. It's a Greek word. That's the same word that we get the word zeal from, if you're very zealous for something. He actually tells the church, desire with zeal, seek after earnestly the spiritual gifts. So to answer that question, yes, you can ask for the spiritual gifts because they're for building up the church. But a spiritual gift that you have is not because of who you are. You have not earned a spiritual gift. Gifts are always found in the Spirit, and they're always acts of God's grace. You never earn a spiritual gift. It's not like a badge of honor or a star next to your Christian spelling test that says, yeah, now I have the gift of tongues, or now I can prophesy or anything like that. They're always acts and an overflow of God's grace. And the way we get to an understanding of that is literally the word gift comes from the word grace. Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. The word he uses is charismata. And charismata actually comes from another Greek word. I'm sorry to bombard you, but it kind of helps the understanding. It comes from another Greek word, charisma, which you may have heard, that word in the English, charisma. But actually in the Greek, charisma means generous and gracious gift. And it's actually the same word that modern Greeks use for Christmas gifts. No one earns a Christmas gift. You give it out of generosity to bless somebody else. And the word charis, which is where charisma comes from, is the word grace. It's what we interpret grace. So a spiritual gift is actually a gift of grace. Which means that, like the goggles of love that we're using the spiritual gifts through, we're also putting on the goggles of grace. That everything we have comes from God, in order that we can, in grace, bless other people. So the gifts are not earned, they're always acts of grace. And the reason I wanted to mention that is because when I chat to people about the spiritual gifts, often what I hear is people say, Oh, well, you know, I haven't been a Christian very long, so therefore, you know, I can't really pray for somebody. Or, oh, well, I don't read my Bible very often, so I'm not worthy enough to minister in the gifts of the Spirit. That's a misunderstanding, therefore, of what a gift of the Spirit actually is. It's not about who you are or what you've done. 
It's all about who Jesus is and what he's done. It's an act of grace. Next little FAQ really quickly and then we'll talk about prophecy. Do I get to keep a gift of the Spirit? Uh, And I want to chat about this one really quickly because I often hear people say or become preoccupied with the question of what is my spiritual gift? And the whole focus becomes about me and what my spiritual gift is rather than how am I blessing other people. And while there are some spiritual gifts, notably tongues, which I'll talk about shortly, which are for your personal edification most of the time, most of the spiritual gifts are actually in order that you will give them away. And a lot of these gifts are what we can call situational giftings. So at certain times, the Holy Spirit will give you something to give away in that moment, in that situation. And the word actually, which Paul talked about, which is each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. The word there is phenorosis. And uh, as a photographer, I uh, get the opportunity at times to go up in uh, a helicopter or a, a light aircraft and take photos from the sky looking down. And what I notice particularly when I'm looking at a river is that a big river comes through and at various points it juts off to the side and shoots out a new little bit of, of water off to the side, right? And each time a little bit of water goes out, usually there's life that follows that. Well, the word phenorosis is kind of a description of, of that pattern. It's this idea that the life in the spirit, the spirit is the source of the gifts, and at various times, out will shoot a little bit of life from the spirit, touch somebody on the shoulder, and give them life to give away in the form of a gift of the spirit. Uh, another way of interpreting that word phenorosis uh, is the dancing hand of God, is a, is a literal translation. The dancing hand of God. And it's like when we come together like we are now, we should all come expectant to bring something to the barbecue, but at different times, the dancing hand of God will touch different people on the shoulder and say, hey, today, I've got a word of encouragement for you to give away. Go, go bless somebody. Hey, I've got a song, a hymn for you to give away today. Go, start singing, start praising. I've got a tongue for you to give. I've got a a word of prophecy. I've got a word of knowledge for you to give today. So they're not kind of, they don't function in a way of, I get to put this in my pocket and pull it out whenever I want. That's not how the gifts of the Spirit work. They're always coming when we come open-handed and say, God, what are you wanting to give me today in order that I may bless the community? So it's not so much a question of, what is my gift and do I get to keep it? So much as, God, what are you giving me today to give away to somebody else? I hope that kind of uh, helps us in our understanding a little bit of how the gifts of the Spirit work. Um, I'll just summarise that section, then we'll talk about prophecy, and we'll do a really quick workshop on that, and then we'll talk about tongues. Uh, So the gifts of the Spirit, they're supposed to be used in love, kind of like a crucible of love. Everything that we do goes through the crucible of love. Um, They're for encouraging the church, like a big family barbecue, you come to give something away. Um, They're always founded in God's grace, not by anything that we've done. All right. Changing hats a little bit, and we'll chat about the gift of prophecy. So the gift of prophecy is a specific gift that Paul talks about, um, most notably in 1 Corinthians 14. I was having a a coffee with a friend a couple of years ago, and we were just chatting just about life. uh, And then he kind of stopped me mid-sentence and he said, hey, I was just wondering, I don't know, but I was reading this Bible passage the other day, and I think the Lord's maybe just reminded me of it. And it was a Bible passage of... Uh, when Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, uh, he sends his disciples to go and pick up a donkey that he can go and ride into Jerusalem on. 
and he said, I was thinking about this donkey actually just as you were talking. And, you know, I was thinking that that donkey probably was looking at all the other donkeys walk past. And he's tied up to the pole and he's thinking, how come I never get to, you know, go for a walk or take someone for a ride? Or how come I never get to uh, take logs up the hill or whatever? And he said, I just wonder if maybe that's actually how you're feeling right now. You feel a little bit like that donkey that's tied up to the pole. But actually Jesus wants to say, when he sends his disciples, he says to them, take the donkey and say, the Lord has need of it. Now that's kind of a, a lovely thought, but for me at the time of where I was at in my life, I, I literally in the cafe, I started crying because I literally felt exactly like that donkey. I was looking at everyone else and I was actually having a conversation just that day with the Lord saying, God, what have you, what have you got me to do? Like, what, what are you using me for in this life? And then he came along and said, hey, I was just thinking about this donkey. Maybe that's you. And that was an example in my life of a word of prophecy that someone gave me just done in a cafe in a very normal kind of nonchalant manner. And I was hugely encouraged by that and still am encouraged by that word that he gave me a couple of years ago. So FAQ number one, what is the gift of prophecy? Well, it's a receipt of a spontaneous revelation from God given to somebody else in human words for their strengthening and encouragement. That's essentially a little branching, uh, over, over branching definition of the gift of prophecy. So it's a spontaneous revelation given in human words for the encouragement of somebody else. Now, underneath the banner of prophecy, there are a whole bunch of other kind of little gifts that you can probably talk about. Possibly words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of encouragement. You could probably think they come under the, the banner of prophecy, if you like. Um, hearing a, a spontaneous revelation from God and giving it away to encourage somebody else. There was a, a comedian uh, who said, why is it that when we're speaking to God, it's called praying but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic. And I think that little comedic statement actually encompasses a lot of how we approach the gift of prophecy. Often we think about it in a, oh, it's something really weird that only weird people do. But actually the gifts of the Spirit uh, are supposed to be very normal parts of our life. Um, we're supposed to be naturally supernatural, if you like, going about our lives in a natural way, but asking God to use us to speak to other people. Um, and another little example in scripture of what does a gift of prophecy sound like would be from Haggai. Uh, Haggai is a guy in the Old Testament, he's a prophet, uh, and he was speaking and writing at a time when Israel was supposed to be rebuilding the temple. But they came up against opposition and they got distracted and they were you know, busy building their own houses and they kind of turned away and uh, they got discouraged. And then Haggai comes along and he gives a very, very simple prophecy. It's four words. I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you. So a gift of prophecy does not necessarily have to be spoken in thus saith the Lord English. It can just be a very natural overflow of what you're hearing God say to you. I am with you, says the Lord. And can you imagine if you were perhaps going into surgery and someone said to you, hey, I know you're going to surgery today. I was just praying for you this morning and I just wonder if maybe the Lord wants to remind you that he's with you. How do you think you'd feel in that moment? Probably encouraged. Or if you're about to sit an exam that you're really worried about and someone says, hey, I was just praying for you and I just think the Lord wants to remind you that he's with you as you go into your exam, that would be an encouragement. And encouraging people means putting courage into them. That's essentially what the gift of prophecy does. So what does, it, what does the voice of God sound like then? Uh, one of my 
biggest breakthroughs in learning to hear God's voice, and I'm still learning, we always have L plates on, as Matt said, um, but one of my biggest breakthroughs was realizing that God will speak to me for somebody else in the same way that he'll speak to me in my quiet time. So when I'm hanging out with Jesus in the morning, and I'm scribbling stuff in my journal, and I'm asking him to speak to me through scripture, or perhaps give me a thought, or perhaps remind me of a song or a psalm or something like that, he's going to speak to me in exactly the same way, but just for somebody else when I'm perhaps praying for them. That's how uh, the voice of God sounds like. I've personally never heard an audible voice, you know, this big booming voice from somewhere. That's not ten, doesn't tend to be the way that God speaks. He can do that, and I have heard stories of people that have heard that, but most of the time, the sound of God's voice is a still small voice, almost like a butterfly landing in your mind. Um, it will very much sound like your own thought, because often it's in your own head. But the difference is often, it will perhaps be a little bit random, something that you may not have ordinarily thought of. So maybe you're praying for somebody, and you're thinking, God, what are you doing here? And then you get a random little thought, maybe reminded of a scripture to encourage them. And you, you think, oh, I probably wouldn't have ordinarily just thought of that when I looked at that person. That might be the voice of God. And so sometimes it'll be a Bible verse. Often it's a Bible story that you're reminded of, perhaps a Bible character. Sometimes it comes in the form of a picture. People that are very visual, that see the world quite visually, often there'll be a picture in their mind's eye. Sometimes it'll be a random sentence or just a single word. But what's important to recognize is that God actually wants you to learn to hear his voice. He doesn't kind of hide himself from us. He actually wants us to learn to hear him. And he's going to probably speak to you in the same way uh, time and time again until you start to learn to recognize his voice. Next quick little FAQ, how do I test a prophetic word? How do I know it's God? Well, me personally, I put it through a quick little filter. If I get a random thought and I think maybe that's the Lord, I just put it through a quick little filter. The first is... Is it biblical? Does it line up with Scripture? And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then it's not the Lord. The Lord has given us Scripture as um, an objective revelation of Himself for all people for all time. So He's always going to speak to us through prophecy or through a word of knowledge or whatever that's in line with Scripture. He's never going to contradict Himself. Number two, is it in line with God's character? Does it sound like something God would say? which is a great way to learn to hear God's voice. What's God like? Well, he's a loving father. We've been hearing that all week. He's kind. He doesn't condemn us. He encourages us. He walks with us. Does it sound like something a loving father would say? And number three, by its fruit. We need to be fruit inspectors. And by that I mean, is it in line with the fruit of the Spirit in particular? which is in Galatians 5. Can anyone list the fruit of the Spirit? And remember that song from Children's Church? And the love, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. No one else like that? Yeah? Is it in line with that? Does it sound like something God would say and is it in line with the fruit of the Spirit? Is it going to make someone feel encouraged? Is it going to put courage into people? Is it going to make them feel more joyful, more peaceful, more kind? And if it's not falling in line with those three things, then it's probably not the Lord. Um, really quickly, the way that the gift of prophecy works is it's kind of like divine highlighter in somebody's life. Often what happens is you'll be dialoguing something with God, as I was talking about just before, and then someone comes along and says, hey, I wonder if maybe God's doing this in your life at the moment. 
And it's almost like God gets his big yellow texture out and goes, it's not just you. This is me. It's not just your own desires. I understand where you're at. It's almost like divine highlighter that he says, it's me. I'm actually working in this situation. That's how the gift of prophecy often works. Uh, so what I want to do now really quickly, just for kind of five minutes, is actually we're going to practice this as a group. Is that right? Now, for this to work, I need three people that would like to receive a prophetic word. Yeah? Two more? Great. Do you guys want to stand up? Come out the front. What are your names? Josie. Caitlin. 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 Cool. So for the rest of us, what we're going to do uh, is we're just going to spend a couple of minutes... Keep your eyes open and look at these guys and uh, just ask the Lord, is there something that he wants to give you to encourage them? And it will probably come as perhaps, as I said before, maybe a a verse of scripture that will come to mind. It might be a picture that you think about. Uh, It might be a random phrase. The thing is, make sure that it is going to encourage them, okay? The Lord doesn't condemn us, so make sure that it's an encouraging word for these guys. Um, If you like, you can close your eyes if that's going to help you. But just try and clear your mind of everything that we've been kind of talking about and what you've been thinking about. Just clear your mind and ask the Lord to give you a thought that's going to encourage one of these guys. And then we'll just spend a couple of minutes sharing those. And I might just pray as we do this, actually. Father God, we welcome you here. Would you come and help us to learn to hear you this afternoon? Would you give us a gift to give away this afternoon, Lord Jesus? We open ourselves up to you and we're listening to what you have to say. Come, Holy trick is try not to overthink too much the thought that comes into your mind because often we get ourselves in the way but don't try and overthink too much just open yourself up and maybe the first kind of thought that lands that's encouraging and that's in line with scripture maybe just hold on to that one to share that If you do have a, a thought that you think might be the Lord, maybe just now ask the Lord which one of these three you think that might be for. Alright. Does anyone uh, have a thought or a Bible verse or perhaps a picture that came to mind in that couple of minutes? I know it's a little bit scary, kind of jumping up. <laughs> yelling it out but yeah Rob. it's just a bit random when Caleb came out I just had a picture of a dog that had okay yeah 
Passion, yeah, yeah, great, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, yeah, just Josie, like, that you're his, like, you're his princess and you're his beloved daughter. Just like embrace it. Very cool. Any else? Had a sense that um, yeah, there's a, like a, some, some new ways that you can use your, your words and your your heart and your speech. That's just what I was wondering. Yeah, but um, whenever I get words, it's always like in a medieval kind of thing. Um, okay. I don't know why, and I can just like sense medieval things on people. Um, and Caleb, I saw you as a knight in like shining armor and god wants you to be in his army and josie i to reinforce what someone over there said i actually also saw you as a princess like that's what god was telling me yeah Uh, we might leave that there and keep moving. Um, I won't ask you to necessarily feedback, but um, I just want to really quickly mention what happens when someone gives you a prophetic word. Okay, the trick is not to make it try and fit your life if it didn't fit. Okay, 
because uh, as I said before, it's kind of like divine highlighter. So if it resonates with you, maybe jot that down in your journal or go and pray about that with God later. Um, but receiving a prophetic word is much like eating roast chicken. Okay, when you eat roast chicken, what you want to do is you want to take the meat and then you spit out the bones, right? You leave the bones on the plate. So that's how you receive a prophetic word. You take what sits with you and process that with God. And if it didn't fit, don't try and swallow it down your throat. Just leave it on the plate. And maybe later, maybe God will pick that bone up and, you know, make that speak to you. But don't try and necessarily force something down your throat that didn't necessarily resonate. Cool. Come on, guys. Do you guys feel encouraged? Caleb got a few that were quite in line with each other, so that's cool. Great. Um, and if any of you got a word that didn't get a chance to share, maybe just go up and mention that to them afterwards. Great. Thanks, guys. Very cool. So as you can see, uh, the gift of prophecy doesn't necessarily need to be weird. It can just be a very normal, natural thing, an extension, if you like, um, of praying for somebody else. All right, now I want to talk about the gift of tongues, which is uh, sometimes controversial, but it need not be. A lot of people, when they read 1 Corinthians 14, they think that Paul's being negative about the gift of tongues. He's not actually being negative about the gift of tongues. What he's doing is he's writing a corrective letter to the Corinthian church who were using the gift of tongues in a way that probably shouldn't have been used. They were all kind of standing around and they were uh, speaking over the top of each other and saying, hey, look at me. I've got the gift of tongues and you don't and that makes me a better Christian than you. Okay? And so Paul's writing saying, guys, that's not how the gifts of the Spirit work. Sort it out. There are always gifts of God's grace. So when you're reading 1 Corinthians 14, and it might sound like Paul's being negative about the gift, he's not. He actually really likes the gift of tongues, as I'll show you in just a second. But he's saying, make sure you use it in a way that the gifts of the Spirit are used to build up the church. Okay? So what is the gift of tongues? Uh, it's quite often misunderstood, but a good little definition is speaking in tongues, or sometimes it's actually called praying in the Spirit. You might have heard that phrase. Uh, it's what happens when a Christian believer allows the indwelling Holy Spirit, so when we become a Christian, we receive the Holy Spirit, so we allow the indwelling Holy Spirit to guide the kind of words and the phrases that we're using uh, in order to praise Him or to pray. It's not divine ventriloquism. Do you know what ventriloquism is? Where you have a guy forcing the mouth of the puppet to open and close. That's not the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues, like all the gifts of the Spirit, are an act of collaboration with the Holy Spirit. Collaboration and cooperation. It's actually a form of prayer. So you read in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, he says, Anyone who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. What's it called when we're talking to God? Prayer. So it's a form of prayer in its simplest form. Uh, it's kind of like a supernatural prayer language if you like, that's given to the believer by the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily a learnt language. So if you're sitting in French class and you're trying to remember French nouns and phrases and verses and all that sort of stuff, you're learning a language. But the gift of tongues doesn't work like that. It's not a learnt language. It's divinely given and inspired by God. It's also not necessarily an earthly language. Although if you read in Acts chapter 2, which is the Pentecost story, which you may know, when we first see tongues in the Bible, they stand up and everyone can understand them. They probably were speaking other earthly languages, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the gift of tongues is always an earthly language. 
In fact, the majority of the time, it's probably not. That said, I have met uh, a pastor in the UK uh, who was telling me a story about how he just got back from his trip to Israel with a whole bunch of his team. Uh, and he went to Israel and they went purposely to go and see the Mount Sinai region. Mount Sinai is a pretty key part of kind of the Old Testament. So they wanted to go and see this region. So they hired uh, a tour bus driver and said, can you take us up to the Mount Sinai region? He said, sure, pile into my van. So they all went up and they got to the top and they said, can you just wait here for 10 minutes? Because we just want to, as a team, just get out and pray in this area. So they hopped out and they all started praying. And a couple of them um, felt like they wanted to pray in tongues. So they were praising God in, in the gift of tongues that they had. And they all piled back into the car 10 minutes later and the driver said, oh, I didn't know you guys speak Hebrew. And they were like, uh, we don't. <laughs> we're from England. We've never learned Hebrew in our lives. And he said, oh, but I definitely heard you guys were praying in Hebrew just before. And they were then able to, just like Acts chapter 2, explain um, to this guy about Jesus and why they were praying and what the gift of tongues and all that sort of stuff was all about. But that's not normally probably how the gift of tongues function. Often it's a private prayer language that you have. What's it for? Next FAQ. Well, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue, or she who speaks in a tongue, edifies themselves. So edifies or encourages. It's the same word. Uh, Jude verse 20 says a similar thing. But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying by the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's a way of encouraging yourself in your walk with God. It's a prayer language that's used for that, for edification. Uh, and because of that, it is one of those gifts that when you receive it, because it's an act of collaboration, you can actually, using your will, pray using the gift of tongues. What's it for? Well, as I mentioned, it's for prayer and often for intercession. Uh, Romans 8 says, in this way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So it kind of acts like this new dimension in our prayer life that enables us to pray stuff that even we don't really necessarily understand what we're praying. Uh, and as Ali kind of mentioned last night, sometimes perhaps when you see a really tough situation, maybe it's on the news or it's in your friend's life or it's in your own life, you can kind of come to God and go, I don't even know what I should pray here. Like, I don't understand anything about the situation. How am I supposed to bring this to you? And that's where the gift of tongues can sometimes function really effectively. You don't need to necessarily understand how to pray. Just allow the Holy Spirit to work with your spirit to pray the prayer that he wants you to pray. Because often, when we're interceding, God says, hey, I want you to pray about this situation. And we say, yeah, sure, God, I'll pray about this situation if you help me understand everything that's going on here. And he kind of goes sometimes, you know what? I'm kind of running a whole bunch of different universes right now. There's kind of a lot of stuff that's going on. Is there anyone here who can just pray a prayer without having to understand exactly what I'm doing in this situation? And that person might go, sure, I'll pray. I don't really know exactly what I'm praying, but I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to pray the prayer that God wants me to pray in this circumstance. So it's used for intercession. Um, Paul says, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So when we pray in English, often what happens is we process what we're praying. Like I'm processing, hopefully, what I'm talking to you about right now. We're speaking out words that I've thought about. And that's how we often approach prayer. But 
when we pray in tongues, the spirit prays and the mind is unfruitful. So it almost bypasses our Western thinking, our rationalistic thinking, where we approach everything through the mind. And it's our spirit engaging directly with the spirit of God. And therefore, it's often used when just English words don't cut it either. Um, Sometimes, particularly when we're praising God, often we run out of English words to say about it, about Him. Um, I've been married for two and a half years, and every day I tell my wife that I love her. But after a while, that phrase kind of sounds a bit old, right? Oh, I love you. Yeah, I know. Good. No, no, no. I really love you. Yeah, I know. You told me. You know, no, but I really, really love you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think you're awesome. Cool, thanks. I think you're really neat. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, or maybe some of you guys, I think you're really lit. Is that a good <laughs> Come on, yeah. <laughs> I think you're really lit. We kind of run out of words to describe our love, right? And the same thing sometimes happens when we're trying to praise God. We say, God, I really, really love you. But there's this overwhelming kind of feeling that's going in my heart and I don't actually know how to express it. And that's, again, where the gift of tongues can come in. So don't worry about necessarily putting English words to what you're feeling. Just express your heart to me using this divinely given language. Next little FAQ. Is tongues for everyone? And this is taught... Um, in different circles, in different ways. Um, but Paul does say, I would like all of you to speak in tongues. It's chapter 14, verse 5. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. So that phrase means a couple of things. It firstly means that obviously not everyone that he was writing to in the Corinthian church spoke in tongues, right? Because otherwise there would be no reason for him to write that sentence. So obviously not everyone there spoke in tongues. But equally... I don't think Paul would have written that if the gift wasn't available to everybody. Because if we think about the gifts of the Spirit being overflows of God's grace, God's God's grace is freely given to us. He doesn't withhold His grace from us. And He wants us to learn how to pray in different ways, to be able to intercede in ways that we perhaps haven't experienced before, to praise Him in different ways that we haven't perhaps experienced before. Which is why, therefore, Paul says, I would like all of you to pray in tongues. Because it's such a great way to edify yourself in your prayer life with God, to encourage. Wait a minute. Are you saying that I have to speak in tongues? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. God's graces are totally free. The great thing about the Christian life is we don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all for us. But I would respond to that question with, well, wouldn't you like to speak in tongues? Wouldn't you like to be able to build yourself up in your walk with Christ? Is that not why we come to church to edify ourselves? Is that not why we take communion, we praise, we sing, we pray, we read our Bible? All that stuff is part of our walk with Jesus. Therefore, wouldn't you like to also perhaps speak in tongues to unlock some parts of your prayer life, perhaps? But no, you don't have to in tongues. God doesn't force himself upon us. And therefore, I'm not going to force my thoughts upon you. But if you would like to, it's available. I believe it's available for you to receive that gift. Sometimes, as Ali said, 
for some people it's easier to receive than others. I know a lot of people who are very uh, rational, who like to process everything through their mind, find it sometimes difficult to let go of their mind and allow their spirit just to pray through perhaps the gift of tongues. So for some people, sometimes that's one reason why it's perhaps more difficult for them sometimes to receive the gift than others. But I believe it is available if you would like it to be. So how do you receive it? Well, we're taught to seek earnestly the spiritual gifts, so we're allowed to ask for it. And that's how I would probably approach how do you receive the gift of tongues? Well, I would ask Jesus for it, first and foremost. Uh, and sometimes it does help to have someone pray with you through that. Uh, we do see evidence in Scripture of gifts of the Spirit being passed on through the laying on of hands, so we'll actually do that in just a moment. Um, I personally received the gift. I had someone pray for me, um, but at the time, I thought it was really weird, and so I didn't really feel comfortable, and it wasn't until I went home later that night and was lying in my bedroom on my own where I felt comfortable that I could start to express to God uh, the love that was inside my heart for him and using words that weren't necessarily English. So it can be um, a bit of a process like that as well. But we do have to actually make a conscious decision to start. A lot of people sort of sit there and go, oh, I want to receive the gift of tongues. And they're kind of expecting divine ventriloquism. They're expecting God to start to take over their mouth and start to make them speak things. That's not really how the gift of tongues works. You do have to actually collaborate often with the Holy Spirit. So you have to, to start to speak. And often, just practically, that looks like maybe picking a phrase. It can be something that sounds kind of silly, if you like. Maybe shalabala or something like that. And you just kind of allow that phrase to represent everything that you're trying to say to God in your heart. And you just start to speak that phrase over and over again and allow it to represent what you're trying to say to God through your spirit. And then in the process of doing that, you can perhaps start to add other phrases onto that as you feel comfortable and as you feel led. And then you'll start to realize that you can do that almost subconsciously without having to process the words that you're actually saying. Okay, I think we've done enough teaching on that. So what I want to do now is um, give you an opportunity, those that would like to, I'm not going to force anything on you, those that would like to receive the gift of tongues, or perhaps you think that, you know, you've perhaps been prayed for before and maybe you prayed in tongues once, but it's not something that you actually actively do in your prayer life, we'd like to pray with you as well. Um, so it becomes something that you can start to utilize and start to use in your walk with Jesus. And I know it sounds really weird and it sounds kind of scary and all that sort of stuff. So what we're actually going to do, we've got... Thank you, Beth. Beth, why don't you come out the front, actually? How about we all stand? What we're going to do is, just to take the kind of awkwardness out of the room, is we're all going to start to sing to Jesus. Because tongues as an expression of our praise to him. We're all going to start to, to, to sing in a song, our praise to Jesus. Um, those that would like to receive the gift of tongues, as we're singing this song, um, perhaps just start to pick a phrase that represents what your heart's trying to say to Jesus. And as we're all singing, just maybe quietly under your breath, just start to let that phrase represent your heart. Just keep saying that over and over again. Um, and ask Jesus for the gift of tongues. And if you're doing that, 
uh, don't be shy. Maybe pop up your hand as you're doing that because I'd love some of us to, to lay a hand on your shoulder as well. Um, and if you don't want to do that, that's, that's fine. Um, we're all just praising Jesus together and so on. Um, you don't have to worship or something? Or what have you got? Great, brilliant. Let's do that. So as we uh, all start to sing this song, let us pray. Lord Jesus, we welcome you here. We humble ourselves before you. Invite your Holy Spirit to come and meet us right where we're at. God, as we're meeting together in community, I pray, Lord, that you would start to pour out your gifts uh, afresh, particularly uh, for those that want to receive and to, to use the gift of tongues. God, would you pour that out this afternoon? You don't have to, but if you feel comfortable, maybe just pop your hands out before the Lord, just as a sign of saying, I'm open to you, Jesus, whatever you want to do. Let's sing this song together. Now 
hands actually, it's just resting really gently on some of you. And if you can actually just feel that, maybe it feels like a weight on your hands, or perhaps it's just a sense of peace that you've not experienced before. Um, if that's you, the Lord's just resting on you, and we just like to bless all you to. Um, so if you're feeling something like that, or maybe it's heat or tingling on your hands as well, or maybe if you want to just take a step out of the front just as a way of saying yes to Jesus, it's not because the front is any cold or anything like that. Saying yes to Jesus and going to bless what he's doing. So if that's anyone who's feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit moment. And equally, uh, I think there's a couple of people here. Um, someone I think gets recurring migraines quite a lot. I could be wrong, I'm just learning. But um, maybe someone here gets recurring migraines, and I think someone else is particularly anxious about this year at school and some exams. That's an HSC or something you're particularly anxious about going back to school even next week. Um, so if that's anybody here, might not be a bit of this. If you'd like to just maybe make your way out to the front as well, just so that we can identify you and have some people play. doing so we can all be involved. If you're a guy or a girl and you see someone out the front who's come to receive from Jesus, maybe just come out and gently lay a hand on their shoulder and just bless what God's doing in them. really want you to say anything in particular, just bless what He's doing in them at the moment. And as we've been learning, perhaps the Lord will give you a little word of encouragement, a word of prophecy perhaps, to share with that person as well. Extra girls to come and pray. Thanks, Jesus. We invite you here to increase what you're doing.